Hi everybody, welcome to another podcast here at Trekno Battle. This is Matthew. And this is Kevin. This is Kelly. And we're going to finish off Season 4 of Voyager with the episode Hope and Fear. Um, interestingly, I suppose, it's not a two-parter. It's just a single part. Uh, but I think... If memory serves, they still tried to make it somewhat of a special episode. Yeah, it has it has arc implications, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we'll see who the eventual villain or at least threat is. Um, you know, it's been a successful season, I think, uh, generally speaking. And this episode is very much in keeping with that. That's yeah, I, I remember liking this one when it aired... Uh, Good, good story. Good character work. Good effects, if memory serves. So, uh, yeah, I was just looking at the numbers uh, before we started, and uh, depending on how this works out, yeah, this is either like just at or a notch above uh, season one of Voyager. Yeah, which was uh, uniformly pretty solid, probably because they didn't need to add an extra ten episodes of filler. Yeah. Um, and compare, we can save this for the end, but uh, looking back, I think that we gave out 310 so far this season, and that's that's a career high for Voyager. I think we gave out a lot more twos than we have in other seasons, though. I think uh, consistency might still be a... You mean two total? Or like fours. Fours, okay. yeah. Yeah. No, there's definitely still been some fluctuating of the ratings. Um, but it's a good capper, and I think it, uh, like I said, if, if I recall correctly, it's a good uh, continuation of Seven's character work. But um, we'll we'll see as we watch the episode. Yeah, we can talk about Seven of Nine as a whole very soon. So why don't we get started? Let's all press play together. Three, two, one, press play. Okay, so th- this game here, Velocity, um, it's a notch above the, you know, austere phaser range from Next Gen. With the dots yeah. that they were shooting at? Okay, my only objection to this game is that it's being played in the empty hollow grid. When I think, like, if nothing else, the idea of running around into walls on that metal grid seems ridiculous. It should be some kind of gymna- more like gymnasium space. Like, falling on that ground has to hurt. You know, it... It brings up holodeck questions, of course. You know, this room isn't very big. I guess they're limiting themselves to purely the six walls of the holodeck. Yeah. Um, from a purely technical standpoint, uh, these are awesome uh, active wear for both of them. Um, th- that neckline is very flattering on Kate Mulgrew. Um, and whoever styled Jerry Ryan's hair deserves an Emmy because they clearly, carefully disheveled every strand just so to be extremely flattering. She does not actually look out of sorts. She just looks stunning. <laughs> Let me say, I do not wear that much makeup when I work out. <laughs> I, you know, it was implied in TNG that makeup is sort of a thing that is zapped onto you and is more permanent, perhaps. You know, because Dr. Crusher was giving uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, done to her. As far as her outfit goes, I mean, 
it's it seems like they're trying to go for a similar aesthetic there's like ribbing on the sides or something it's not really ribbing though it's really just a stripe it's like a racer stripe yeah. or something that's going down which gives that feeling but maybe not making it so uncomfortable for the actress uh who you know is on record as saying the initial seven of nine gear was extremely uncomfortable and necessitated bathroom breaks and uh, I, I guess Kevin, you know, mentioning makeup and hair, it was a, a bone of contention for Kate Mulgrew in many scenes, you know, and uh, Kate Mulgrew was testy in a way that made Jerry Ryan uncomfortable. Um, and probably, you know, you have a, a newcomer after three full seasons who replaces someone that you know and love, you know, uh, I imagine there was tension. Some characters got, some actors got the better end of it, and some actors got the worse end. You know, obviously, Robert Cardo and Kate Mulgrew got a boatload of scenes with uh, Jerry Ryan, but who, who do you think has suffered the most? Probably Chakotay, it seems. Yeah, I would say Chakotay. And Harry, then Harry. Harry wasn't getting a ton to do anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll also say, I did like the little character note in the scene. Um, there's a way that Kate Mulgrew talks as Captain Janeway when she's lecturing Seven on something, and she sounds, and this is the compliment, uh, like one of my favorite history teachers in high school, and it just, like, when she's like, Seven, be a good sport. And every time I hear her talk in that tone of voice, I just, I'm transported back to high school. So they're picking up the plot thread of the, uh, undecipherable Starfleet transmission. It's it's odd that it's that difficult to decipher it. You know? Like, I, I guess maybe you were supposed to take it as, like, a computer file well, yeah, the, with the, the index missing. Yeah, it was damaged, yeah. which would make decryption... I mean, it's one of those, like, if, if the file's that damaged, decryption would theoretically be impossible. You need, you know, more than half of it to know the whole key. Janeway is staying up till 5 in the morning, apparently, working on it. It's uh, quite a crew writing, Berman, Braga, and Minoski. Fifty decryption algorithms. Every time she pieces together a data block, 50 more become unraveled. Ten more become unraveled. What? How does that work? Yeah, this is one of those times where I think they think they know what they're talking about and they don't. <laughs> Seems like once you decipher it, it should just be deciphered. It's fun to see a captain doing this hard work stuff, though. Sure. I, it fits with her character. Yeah, she's a scientist. It's not like she's magically genius and everything. She gets her hands dirty. Well, and she's not solving it. So yeah. Maybe Seven has some Borg algorithms. So it's kind of like mom and dad talking about their teenage daughter here. Their teenage daughter, who one of them will date later. Well, <laughs> uh, let's let's not pre-criticize them. But <laughs> plenty of opportunity to do that later. It's a credit to Kate Mulgrew that, despite whatever her personal misgivings were about the casting change. You know, 
you you would never have known it from watching the show. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it doesn't show on screen. All right, here's Arturis. I don't like this makeup. It's it looks very heavy and very like voluminous, like it's making his head much larger, but the look still looks somehow unfinished. Well, his face is very human. Um, it's reminiscent of the Telosians. I mean, uh, maybe, maybe it's because it, yeah, I'm gonna say maybe it's because his ears are obscured by the makeup. His head just looks unformed a little to me. I think he would look better if his clothing didn't look like that. Well, it is a high-waisted pant on a man clearly in his at least you know late forties, early fifties, and greenish. Yeah, mottled. Yeah, that's Paisley-ish. it's a look. Um, I mean, the actor's good. Uh, I like. It's the guy who played uh, Lico in Who Watches the Watchers, and uh, we'll get to this one when we get to the character reveal um he plays the the point of like both characters have this threat of being like ordinary family men who suffer a loss and are in circumstances beyond their you know control or comprehension and i think he plays that well in both circumstances so the actor i think is fine just this choice of makeup it just looks it looks so big and heavy but also unfinished that it's like the worst of both worlds uh, when it comes to makeup like this You're much more attractive than the average child. Yes, we, we made sure all the Borg implants left ones that highlighted my already stunning features. Yeah, I mean, that hairdo must take a lot of time, but from the front angle there, it is fetching. The Borg has never been able to. Not the Borg have never been able to. I guess that makes sense if they're a single entity. The econometric elements and triaxilating oh, recursion. Thank God. Why did I think of that? Thank God we're sitting down because that's a that's a lot of techno babble, even for us. I only had to tech the tech. The Admiral from First Contact. Yeah. So this use of the astrometric set, um, you know, it's not as visually impressive as some of the 3D graphics they've done. But it's still worthwhile. Yeah. So, you know, knowing that Arturus is going to sort of be, you know, a, an antagonist here, I kind of wonder how he was able to tailor everything so well to their needs yeah. and desires. Like, has he previously intercepted the message and altered it to his own uses. Anyway. It's good face acting. Yeah, it's very cool. She, 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 
She's selling her phys- her emotions really well with just her face. Good job. We all enjoy seeing new and different Starfleet vessels. Uh, we enjoyed it on uh, Ship in a Bottle. And this isn't all that different looking. It's got that kind of triangular arrowhead yeah. geometry. It's reminiscent of the Delta Flyer, when you think about it. Yeah. Or what will eventually be the, the Delta Flyer. It's interesting that no one sort of distrusts our tourists and his willingness to help. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned to anticipate the football being pulled away from me at the yeah. very last moment. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a ancient Earth uh, parable called Gilligan's Island. <laughs> The bridge is nice looking. I like the sort of... It's a nice wide angle that shows the geometry of it. I like the shape. And I just... I don't know. It looks... I I, I like that they at least discuss why the ship is apparently so stripped down. But I find the set a little sparse for my liking. I'm into it. You know, I like that there's new sort of stools. NX-01A. Theoretically, that should be a subsequent Enterprise, but we don't know that yet. (laughs) Well, no, I guess it makes sense. Uh, Yeah, why they didn't... Yeah, okay, that's true. Because the Defiant was an NX much longer registry number, but we'll leave that alone. I wonder if they just reused some of these panels from Voyager. Yeah. I wonder if this is like the Enterprise E bridge with nothing on it. Like, it's such a big space. I'm curious what it used to be. Don't you think you'd take an engineer over on your way? You would hope. This looks. This is literally, it's a plasma ball and then those red tube lights that we never know what they do. Like, th- this engine. These, these are different than, the, the tube the lights are like alternating. Blinking. The, the, these are just like, they're like two different sets of plasma yeah. doodads. Like, if I touch them, it should like jump to my finger and I, I don't know it, just, it looks too side it, it's like they got it out of the spencers yeah or flash garden or something i don't know what it is i mean it's visually interesting quantum slipstream drive those are all words we've used before Oh, Harry's getting some command time. I mean, he even got Major Barrett's voice for the computer. <laughs> which, you know, indicates to me that he's been tracking and recording yeah. everything that Voyager does. Uh, this is a decent effect. Certainly not the worst effect. Yeah, I mean, to some degree, I would kind of want to imagine 
some new technology that they don't understand is looking wholly different, you know, like, yeah. like it's just a box, you know, yeah. or something, something with no parts, you know, how does it work? I don't know. But wouldn't they question that? I suppose. If because it's they haven't been gone that long. Well, but maybe Starfleet uh, has encountered some new race or something. So they've traveled 15 light years in about 30 seconds? Yeah. 47. Yeah, it should really be a drinking game. Slipstream velocity for three months. Two seconds per light year. And I've got 60,000 to go. 120,000 seconds divided by 60. 2,000 minutes divided by 60. It should only be about 33 hours, but I don't know. Three months, 33 hours. Maybe the passage of time wasn't indicated. Uh, Accurately, yeah. I like her line there. You know, a bit of a blowhard. So they didn't turn into uh, Wizards. Uh, lizard creatures. Shouldn't they be dubious of the idea that they sent this with no crew. Right, you figure it would be a tactical risk to leave this gem of technology just hanging around. And <laughs> Where's that bored spirit? In theory but that won't happen for another season or two. <laughs> I do like that there has been this thread that they've picked up, you know, of the message, and then they're going to pick up this thread of quantum slipstream technology, and, you know, it just shows that there is at least some planning going on. This is a nice callback to previous character work between them, and she's using them as a sounding board yeah. because she does have, you know, doubts. Her spidey sense is tingling. I mean, it makes sense. Like, like we're saying, it should be suspect, and she she does suspect at least. Um, you know, generally, without anything specific to go on. They even turned on the beds. It does seem convenient. Do hotels really still put mints on the pillows in this era? Like, would that would that survive as yeah, a tradition? Yeah, sure, it's tradition. <laughs> 
This is a nice. Uh, this shows that they are competent people. Yeah. Who can listen to their intuition, emotions, logic, and are covering their bases. Yeah. You know? Janeway is a capable, competent leader. She should be run for president. <laughs> well, she also is well versed in Starfleet and knows this would be a weird thing for them to do. And like, why not have like not a, sending a like? Crew. There's got to be a skeleton crew of people who'd be like, "Sure, I'll go." Like, I'll I'll take a six month trip. You know. <laughs> well, and you don't have to get volunteers. <laughs> they can true. just say you need to go. This is your mission. So they're, they're kind of doing a log montage here. A captain's log and a 709's personal log. And it, it's, it's largely successful. Normally this can be like super exposition heavy in a way that's like pace destroying. But, but the actors... Yeah, are, it, it, it's, it's as much to explore Seven's apprehension as it is to explore the progression of the plot. So it, it works, I think. Apparently there's still billions of people on Earth. Well, I mean, there must be trillions in the Alpha Quadrant. And what we're at seven now. I mean, we have night. We have a uh, you know ninety three left to go before we reach. Well, no, that would just be a hundred billion. Yeah, eight hundred thirty three. Eight hundred. We have a lot to go before we <laughs> stop having billions. Nine hundred and ninety three. Thank you. It's been a long day. Reverse the polarity. You know, if I if I put the battery in backwards, it just doesn't work. <laughs> so it's like there are tubes in there, like glass tubes. Yeah, I, sw- I swear they sell these at just like your random, you know, knickknack store. And I, uh, Bellana's pregnancy jacket. Yeah. Is she still pregnant here? Yeah. 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 Because I was going to say there's one, epi- I think there's a couple episodes where she wears it after for the sake. It's, what is the episode she's not in? Um, oh, it's living. No, it's living witness. She wasn't. She wasn't in living witness because she was giving birth. Yeah. So she is no longer pregnant here, but she has the jacket on. So. Well, you don't lose the weight right away. No, but I'm. <laughs> so seven oh nine is kind of being puckish here. She's feeling emotional trepidation, and yeah. she wants misery loves company. You know, she wants other people to feel the same thing. Well, or doesn't understand why other people don't feel it. And Bellana gives as good as she gets. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> Not really. So let's see, this is season four of Deep Space Nine, so this will be running parallel to season six of... Season four of Voyager, season six of DS9. Right, because, yeah, because seasons one of DS9 was season six of TNG, season three of DS9 was season one of Voyager, so the Dominion War is in full swing at this point. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine the ex Maquis are going to be super high in their priority list, or that unpopular, unless they hold... um, Unless they hold their actions indirectly responsible for spurring the Cardassian Dominion Alliance.
So he's talking about the Earth system. Seven smiled. Oh, Harry. Poor, poor Harry. Was it just a dream when she told him to disrobe and demonstrate copulation? Yes, I believe that was a holodeck simulation. Because he should have just... Whatever. Okay. What? Yeah, so I guess things are being holographically cloaked. But I'm not going to tell you what it is. No time to explain. <laughs> so now there's a nice 3D yeah. graphic. I think he gave up too easily. I, I like where they go with this, you know? No, yeah. It, one of my eventual complaints for Voyager, even given the quality of 7 and 9 character and Jerry Ryan's acting is this debate we're having here gets played out again and again and again. But I can't fold it here. This feels like the capper of the arc they've built over season four. It's the it's the conclusion of what they've been building with this character for the season, and I appreciate that. So I'm not going to judge it for the fact that they lean too hard into it. And, and I get why, because the actors have chemistry, the story's interesting, it's a very Star Trek story. Um... Also, this one doesn't have the most annoying hallmark of the, um, you know, you explain humanity to be X, but your actions contravene that. When you liberated me from the collective. Yeah. You said that. Oh, I've noticed. So, in a lot of ways, this works because it's a classic, you know, parent-child conflict. You know, I don't share your... Values, <laughs> you've turned out differently than I expected. Um, so there's there's sort of two interesting arguments that Janeway is making. You know, one is that you owe us. Yeah. You know, we need your expertise. But there's also, I think, the thread, you know, you're acting out of fear. Right. I mean, they, they mind the tension between nurturing someone's individuality and then acting in their best interest when they can't or won't. And, and, and that's, a, that, you know, that's a debate you have with any human and in any power structure. 
Um, so it's not absurd. It's interesting. Um, her argument also makes no sense because it's been indicated that she needs maintenance by the doctor to make sure that things don't go haywire. Not if she goes back to the collective. That's true. Some really nice emotional acting between the two. You can feel the tension. Yeah. It makes sense. It feels real. One of the great things about Kate Mulgrew is how much gravitas she has. Like, she's short, but she dominates the yeah. scene that she's in. I mean, Jerry Ryan's probably only a little bit taller. It's the heels. She do does have at least four inch heels. Beep, 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 beep. I know it's silly, but the touch of the new uniform always, you know, makes me happy. It's one of those things that's real easy to screw up, if, you know, but it's painfully obvious if you do. Do you think they would spend the time to send new uniform specifications so they could replicate and stay current with Starfleet regulations. I, I think, Not at this point when it's so hard to communicate. Yeah, I think it. I think it makes sense to um, like keep DS Nine and uh, like the reason they gave DS Nine new uniforms was yeah, they part to differentiate. Right. He must have created a false message. I mean, that's an incredible piece of work. Like, not only is he, yeah. you know. A gifted linguist, but he's also the galaxy's best CGI artist. Yeah. I'm not saying it, it could just be future technology. Yeah. You know, like, he's got alien technology for creating images yeah. and matching voices that far outstrips what we can think about. My real question is just how he got the information to do it. Yeah. To make it convincing. Maybe it'll be explained in dialogue. We'll see. Yeah, I really don't like his clothes. I wouldn't want to do that. I, I'd really look into like a, you know, I have to like, swipe a pattern on my phone to get it to unlock. I mean, I think a simple lock screen would have prevented that. Well, or retinal scanning yeah. or something. Which my new phone, assuming it doesn't explode, uh, is capable of doing. My phone does that, too. I want, Is it actually a retina scan? It's iris scan. I was going to say, and uh, it's not perfect, because your eye changes over time, but believe me, when, when I get my phone replaced, I'm going to, like, set up the video of Carol Marx's presentation and then unlock my phone with the iris scan and just be delighted for the rest of the day. So our confrontation is happening, and it's 29 minutes in. So that leaves a lot of time for you know conflict and resolution.
interesting strategy from our tourists here to try to blame seven of nine. Yeah. It might have been good if they had had a bit of doubt cast on Seven of Nine. Yeah. Don't let him pull that switch. Uh, manual levers. <laughs> Turn your back on. Yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> Thankfully, we don't have to pay these extras anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did stuff. I guess they're non-speaking actual actors. It is a bit neat that the two characters that have had the emotional conflict are the ones left. Right, if it were seven in a red shirt, it'd be super more boring. <laughs> I never really quite explain what a quantum slipstream is, do they? Is it different from a classical slipstream? I do think that the Voyager Bridge is a bit underlit during Red Alert. Well, all your panels light up, so it's not, I mean... Well, I'm just talking about tripping hazards. That's true. Particle synthesis, beyond your understanding. How did you get the information? So there's kind of like no view screen? I was just thinking that. It kind of nags me. <laughs> so this is a nice callback, of course, to the beginning of the season. Uh, safe passage, you know, in exchange for the Species 8472 weapon. I like his acting. No, yeah, he, he's, he's good at it. He... There's an ordinary nature to his desperation that is very relatable. I, you know, so I get his motivation, but would not species it or would have would have been worse. Have been more dangerous. Yes. Or, you know. I mean, her her response is accurate. <laughs> if not, it's a little. The argument's a little self-serving, but it's accurate. <laughs> Either way, his argument doesn't have to be good. The point is... It's, it's emotionally valid. Like it, His species you know, was assimilated as the result of her actions, and he wants revenge. Yeah. And he's acting it well. 
And he has sort of survivor's guilt, I guess. Yeah. I watched and waited for my opportunity to make you pay. So he intercepted the Starfleet message. Yeah, he must have been monitoring practically everything. So they must also have incredible cloaking technology. Yeah. I, I will say this chosen revenge is just kind of, I don't know, would that be very satisfying? It's also a little elaborate. You could have just destroyed the ship, I mean... Well, I mean, I, I understand want, wanting them to suffer. But, yeah, punish the whole crew. And himself, is he gonna? Yeah, well, and of course that's the upshot of this episode. He does, he, he wants to die. That's irrelevant. But he won't be around to... Enjoy the revenge? Yeah. <laughs> He's also super aware of their personal conflicts. Like, it's like, was he just watching the show? Is that how he knows? Well, I mean, they've intimated that he's planted information into Seven's personal logs, which I guess he's like a great hacker, too. Like, he can hack into all the ship's information. I mean, if his species is really that much more technologically advanced... The problem, of course, is if they've been assimilated, now the Borg have all of their species. Biological and technological distinctiveness. A quantum field. I will say, the tunnel has a... It's a little... um, What's the word? Like, blurry to me. Well, and it... You can locate someone else's slipstream. It looks like transwarp conduits. Yeah. For all that's worth. So this, I guess, is a brig or something. The bioelectric field could be altered. Seems like the communicators are like the super useful, like ultimate. No, that'd be great if they actually said, "Oh yeah, there's a tiny toolkit buried in every com badge for just this situation." That'd be hilarious. That'd be awesome. Like it would make sense if there's like a little screwdriver, a little Allen wrench. Because this reminds me of the similar scene in Descent where they achieve a. That's what I'm yeah. Yeah, thinking about. They it's actually extremely similar because they alter the. You know, cybernetic yeah. implants of one of the crew members to 
effect and escape. It's it's a nice quiet interlude that gives them a chance to finish their argument. Yeah. You know, with the new information that in fact, you know, now faced with the real possibilities, Evan is not keen on staying and rejoining. And again, this is a very classic dynamic. A parent can't always be a friend. <laughs> Her dry delivery was really good there. I, I did actually laugh. Yeah. See, it, it just seems like Seven always has that makeup on. Yeah, she wears a very deep lip. She has. I've I've met her in person. She is actually that stunning. They're not. They're not faking this. Like. <laughs> They understand how poking it several times makes it yeah. interlink the third and sixth nodules. Yeah. Well, you know. What are you going to do? It's a microfilm. Mm -hmm. I like that the, it feels like they really did attempt to make a distinct iconography for Arcturus' species with the panels, which I appreciate. Sure. I don't know how Seven knows how to operate them. No, see, that has... Still has the Starfleet, yeah. <laughs> but the budget's not unlimited here, you know. Also, well, these seem... thing it does, because they know how to use yeah, them. These seem to wrap around, much like the, the edge of my new exploding phone. Yes. That's the... Voyager Galaxy Edge... It'll be interesting to see what they do with the new show. Yeah. Uh, given new technology. Although it's supposed to take place before the original series. I know. It worries me too. But I trust the people who do it. They all look amazing. Sure, but why? <laughs> you could just go farther in the future. So I guess their little heart-to-heart -heart has... Created a feeling of trust. Some nice camera work and some nice yeah. space acting. It it actually feels pretty realistic, and they've got the sound effects working in concert. I mean, I guess the app. The exterior is not Real, holographically yeah. simulated. Uh, I don't know. Well, he said it's particle synthesis, so maybe it is semi-permanent. Maybe there's some other giant switch somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I'll switch the outside, too. Does he know that he's the last, too? We said 10, 20,000. Well, and, you know, 
presumably many of them were assimilated, but his people have exploding panels too. Mm. So, Voyager's ability to catch up yeah. raises questions, and we'll see how much they can address those questions in dialogue. That's almost like a silent weapon or something. Like, they seem to be able to maneuver. Yeah. You know? Like, it doesn't seem very hard on the ship. Right. And it's like, why not just... It seems like all the ways they keep getting, like, 10,000 or whatever, like, why not just... Even with, like, with Threshold. If all it does is turn you into lizards. Well, and then they cure the lizard sickness. Um, I do think they say that they get a little bit extra out of it before it craps out altogether. Right here. Remain in the quantum surf stream for an hour. Oh. We can't risk using the technology again. But did manage to get through. It's like, why? Because the diagnostics said so? Well, they said the hull was going to buckle if they used it too long. Uh, Just re keep repairing the hull. To, to me, it seems like, you know, with the prospect of a three-month journey luring you, you might just spend six months shoring up the ship. Or, like, or even if you had to go for like a week, stop for a day, week, stop for a day, like... So, did they film these scenes at I the was same just time? I was thinking about that, because her hair is, like, tousled in precisely the same way. And I think maybe one strand yeah. is not in front of her face. Credit the to the actresses if they did film these, which I assume for practicality's sake they must have. Um, why get out and then back into this outfit? They filmed two scenes at the bookends of the story without feeling like they weren't. Like you know, so good for them. No, I, the ability—it really is astonishing the way they do it. You know, because. The stories have, you know, coherence, but they shoot practically everything out of order, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, it's a mark of professionalism. It's, a, it's, fun to, it's always fun to hear them talk at conventions where it's like they are far less aware of the totality of the story than we are. If nothing else, we've watched it a thousand times. Yeah. Uh, maybe that helps them. Maybe if it's just told, what do I feel in this scene? Anger, happiness, happy anger, three and a half angries and a quarter happy. And you, they just know to do that. It might be easier when they're not trying to think of the entire story. Well, it is the director's job, too, to create a coherent yeah. you know, look, feel emotional tone, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so the director has a big role in guiding the actors. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's not a perfect episode. I feel like some of our tourists is both modus operandi and modus vivendi were a bit uh, 
smushy. Yeah. Um, but it was an entertaining plot. Yeah, yeah. And the character stories of Janeway and Seven, you know, were very well, you know, sort of explored through the plot. Mm-hmm. This, this is like a, a story where the characters drive the story as much as the just A to B plot stuff drives the story, it seems to me. There's not much done with all of the other characters, though. It, like, are they also suspicious? Are they just thrilled yeah. that they're going to get home? Are they like, we've been down this road a couple times already, so we're yeah. going to be, you know, like... It might have been nice. You know, in the previous one, Tom Paris was all, you know, uh, sort of dubious and nonchalant and you know it was it was like a practice nonchalance it's like i'm not gonna get excited i don't want to see my dad anyway that kind of thing and so yeah those sorts of stories were sort of like i said you know it might have been nice to have some doubt whether seven or our tourists were the one you know yeah. prevaricating it, it might have been nice to have some of the crew line up on either side of the the equation you know it's like we need to be gung-ho about this and other crew members no we need to be you know, suspicious of this. I agree with that. Well, and the, you know, it was nice that they had the mention of the Maquis, but I feel like Bolana's a little bit flippant when she's just like, ah, I'd rather, you know, be in the brig on Earth than be in the Delta Quadrant. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, given what we saw, I don't think there was time in the plot. Yeah. To have that Would stuff. Would this have worked better as a two-parter? I think it may have worked better as a two-parter. Like, it feels weighty enough, you know, so you would have had more time to make the audience trust our tourists. Yeah. You know, and make the audience distrust Seven of Nine. You could have had, you know, more conflict uh, created that could cast doubt and get into each of the character stories and, and maybe have one or two other characters go through significant emotional development uh, at the same time. So, yeah, you know, this sounds like an idea, like maybe they had it on the board and they may have even debated it in the, in the story room. Should this be one part or two parts? And it might just be that next season concerns trumped the idea of having it yeah. be a cliffhanger. Maybe there was just no logical cliffhanger. Yeah. You could have turned it into a part, a story with more Borg elements, too. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's uh, this is like a symptom of the larger problem of the seven character exploration is interesting and well achieved, but it does seem to be to the exclusion of doing that with other characters. Yeah, well, but I certainly think it's possible to keep the other characters in the mix. Yeah, and they do. They you know eventually return to uh, Tom and Bellana and give them loads of great emotional development. It, you know, they're very focused on Seven of Nine right now. Uh, so anyway, um, I don't know. It feels kind of like a four story-wise to me. You know, like it's interesting enough and there's a lot of things that tickle a fan's fancy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like a new ship and, and the board being mentioned, but not really being a part of it, uh, which is probably for the best mm-hmm. in some ways. Um, Acting-wise, I think it's quite excellent. Yeah, I agree there. No no uh, problems on that front. Uh, well, I think more than just no problems. No, I mean, yeah. I think I mean, yeah. Bo- both of the principals really nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's 
I get why they keep going back to the well. It's it's good. Like it never it, to the extent the scenes become somewhat tiresome. It's not because the actors aren't bringing it. I think this may be the best version of their conflict. Yeah, that we've well, seen today. because it has real stakes. Most of the time, it's just like Seven of Nine has a different point of view, and we're going to discuss it for a while. Yeah, and she's sort of petulant. Yeah. Um. Our tourist was fine. Yeah, like I said, I think the actor did a good job, like with Liko, where there's just a you know guy grieving his family and doesn't quite know how to act in that situation and make some poor choices. Well, there are very similar threads in the characters that sort of being pushed to the brink yeah. of irrationality. Um, you know, it wasn't like Olivier or something. Yeah, but, but it was yeah. solid. Yeah, um, the effects work was good. I liked. I liked the post-reveal bridge more than the first one. I, felt, I, like, I just found it a little under underdone. Like, well, I think we should have seen more of the shit. Yeah, maybe that would have helped. You know, we could have had character conversations as they were testing the things hallways or and stuff, yeah. looking for things. And, yeah. Well, yeah. and this whole, like, they even turned down the beds. We don't ever see yeah, which the beds? quarter. Well, and, yeah, so they mentioned how Spartan things are. Show us that. That would be yeah. fun to show. Is there really room for your whole crew? Yeah. Are we gonna have to triple bunk, quadruple bunk, hot bunk? You know, like that. That would be really interesting. Um. So it's it's average, maybe slightly above average. Uh. You know, this feels like a four to me. Yeah, I, I agree. Um. It's slightly more entertaining than the average episode. There's really nice character stuff. Uh, yeah, it's I'll, memorable. Yeah, I'll say, and I think it's another in a list of episodes proving that unless your name is best of both worlds or a short list of others, um, you might be more advised to go with a uh, standalone story to end your season. It lets you, like, this actually does a fairly decent job of putting a cap. Uh, like, if, if season four is the season that focuses on Seven's introduction to the crew, this is a really solid way to end that. Well, yeah, because it sort of climaxes her unease and then brings her back from it yeah. di- pretty definitively. Yeah. Like, I think the cliffhanger of her possibly going back to the Borg or abetting... Well, they're going to do that, too. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with the forts. It's a, it's a solid episode. It is entertaining. It's not perfect. There's some places they could shore it up, but, you know. All right, well, so Voyager Season 4 as a whole... It sure feels better. Yeah, like I said, I was looking at the numbers, and I think if we if I plug in fours, because I was looking at the chart, if we plugged in threes, it was just behind season one. If I plugged in fours for this, it was just ahead of it. It's still behind three, four, and five of Next Gen, and a couple of se- one or two seasons of DS9. Um, but uh, like I said, I th- yeah, I think this episode hits some definite highs year. Uh, Year of Hell, um, Living Witness. Um, well, Scorpion Part Two. Was yeah, really yeah, good too. really solid episodes all around. Mortal Coil, we enjoyed. Uh, Message in a Bottle was yeah. big fun. Um, Killing Game was entertaining if problematic. Omega Directive was certainly sort of scintillating, yeah, story wise. And uh, Living Witness was fabulous. So there are. Distinct highlights. I, I mean, there are some episodes that are just 
horrid. <laughs> Nemesis. I, I really like Day of Honor, too. Day of Honor was nice in as much as they got. It was, char- it was good character work. Yeah. 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 Tyler and Bellana. Um Oh, Revulsion. Yeah. Is there ever an episode more aptly named? <laughs> That's the one with the... Holo- the, the hologram. The murderous hologram, right? Crazy, yeah. yeah. Um, there were some other clunkers in here. Uh, vis-a-vis was just boring. Um, you know, so the Herogen are sort of the the second-tier big thing yeah. that happened in this season. They get slightly less... They get less developed than I think they could have been. I think, that, like I said at the time, I think they feel like slightly warmed-over Klingon leftovers. They never quite break out of that for me. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Unforgettable was... Pretty forgettable. Yeah. Um, now what was Retrospect just makes me feel weird because it just... Uh, I, don't, I never know how to process that one emotionally. It's at least ambitious, though. Yeah, know? I can't fault it for not trying. Um, I think they could have gone into even more squicky, uncomfortable territory with the, you know, the idea of not believing the victim yeah. uh, of the... Yeah, that's whatever just, you want to call it. Yeah. R- rape-ish sort of thing. Um it's ballsy for the time. It is. I know? will certainly give it that. Um, waking moments, a story about being asleep, um, kind of put me to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's sort of a Chakotay dream vehicle, you know, with the tapping and the, the alien who doesn't make any sense Ma- at all. Magic Indian powers, which never work well for me. How do you evolve a mechanism where it's to your survival advantage to be asleep all the yeah. time? Yeah. What? Why are they wearing clothes? You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> but when they were hitting, they were hitting really well. You know, Year of Hell was a whiz-bang sci-fi story in addition to being several good character stories. I mean, they put Janeway through the ringer. They had Tom butting heads with Chicote. Uh, you know, it was, and it really gave Seven of Nine a chance to uh, yeah. help the crew out, you know? Uh, excellent, excellent stuff. Message in a Bottle. You know, I'm sure if you told people Andy Dick was going to be the best guest star of the season, <laughs> they'd be like, are you serious? But he's quite good. And uh, Living Witness is great. Living Witness, to me, you know, I, a, I would call it the best of the season. Yeah, it's such a Star Trek story. Yeah. Like, to the core of its being. Um, so, yeah, I think... The, I liked Concerning Flight, actually. I, liked, I enjoyed it. I didn't love it. I, did, I liked it. Look, I mean, you get John Reese Myers, you know, you have location shots. You John, know, Jonathan Reese davies I think. Jonathan Reese davies Yeah, Myers is, like, the hot one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Davies was hot at one point, too. Um, <laughs> there's too many John Reeses out there. There's actually a lot of good guest stars this season because the Year of Hell guy is great. Too. Oh yeah, um, oh, Colonel uh, Smith. Yeah, yeah. We we, we we did a Star Trek trivia last night, and there was a question about this. We were flinging discussions of Kurtwood Smith about it for a while. Um, I liked Virginia Matson herself in Unforgettable. I think she portrayed the correct she had aura and good chemistry with yeah. with Robert Beltran. Yeah. Um, you know, I liked the guy they had play the the Nazi. In the killing game too, um, yeah. So I guess the Herogen, 
Although I found the ep- episodes entertaining, they were a bit of a miss. I'll agree with that. And they weren't Kazon levels of miss. They no, weren't Ferengi no, no, levels of miss. No, no. That they, they were at least entertaining, serviceable episodes yeah. in, in on their own level. Somewhat uninspired. That's about all I can say. Yeah, I, I think they should have gone further. Yeah. They should have told us why these people are the way they are, for instance. Um, Demon. How do you feel about Demon? <laughs> we ended up giving that a two, didn't we? Like two, we gave that a four. We gave it a four. Uh, it's it's one of those like none of the ideas gelled somehow. Like it revealed its setup too early. It it skipped over the interesting questions raised by this stuff. It was a, it was like a really stupid. Um, we're missing an important element. Only the most abundant element in the universe. It really nagged me with that it was deuterium. I'm just never going to quite get over that. <laughs> to be fair, deuterium is less common than just pure hydrogen. Yeah, but like one out of a million of the most common substances in the universe is still a lot. Yeah, <laughs> more than like rare earth elements yeah. in a planetary crust. Sure. Mortal Coil is interesting, written by Brian Fuller, no yeah. less. Uh, you know, getting into you know real sort of existential death questions and not not punting on it. No, right? yeah, like I, I think it, Neelix gets over his crushing depression a little conveniently for me, but the fact that it doesn't end on some ambiguous, like you know, you know, all maybe those, there really is an afterlife. Right, all those made-for-TV movies around Christmas time about the teenage boy who doesn't believe in Santa, and then his father gets the job he needs, and you hear like faint jingle bells under the credits, <laughs> designed to intentionally be like, well, maybe he is real, like. That would have destroyed that episode, and I kind of like that they had the balls not to go there. So I certainly appreciate that. And it was a good turn for, for Ethan Phillips. Like, they, we have left far behind the super annoying, creepy stalker uh, Neelix. So no, that's, that's good. Ethan Phillips really played the angst extremely well. Uh, you know, you believed his emotional journey. Um, and I, I like the fact that Robert Beltran's Chakotay didn't have all the answers. Yeah. Like, he was trying to help Neelix think things through, but he wasn't just telling him how things were, yeah. you know? So, all in all, a really nice addition, which actually, speaking of season one, harks back to, uh, was it called Emanations? Oh, with Detrow? No. No, no, Emanations, where oh, Harry, Harry goes, yeah. goes to the cenotaph of that. The culture. No, oh, you're wrong, Kevin. That's a good, good episode because it travels similar ground. You know, it, it calls into question, you know, metaphysical beliefs. Yeah, I just didn't, it just didn't do it for me. <laughs> um, so you know, I the high. Okay, I'll say it. the highs are is are comparably high to the best of other series and other seasons. It man, it doesn't quite lock in the way, say, the golden age of TNG did, where just every single thing they did was working every single yeah, week. Well, we're just we just have to resign ourselves to the those days are that that's not going to happen. Those days are over. Um, even in season seven of Deep Space Nine, you know, even in the best, I, I think if I recall correctly, seasons five and six of Voyager are actually better than season four. Yeah, hmm. I think that's the case. Interesting. We'll see how it, how it bears out. Huh. There are people who think it becomes repetitive or whatever, but I actually think the stories become more ambitious because now they've got the characters locked in and they really go places with them that are really interesting. Like, uh, yes, they whiff on the board, 
But there's a lot more interesting stuff going on in those seasons than the board. They whiff so often on the Borg. They keep, for despite being 10,000 light years past Borg space, we see the Borg like every other week. Oh, it's not that much. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep tally. We're going to, we're going to count the Borg episodes in season five. (laughs) Um, But season four, you know, feels to me like the best, most coherent season so far. Yeah, I think season one. I like I said, I'll have to double check the numbers. It might if season one edges out season four, it's by a very small. It's like point oh something. It's a very well, small. Well, and it's because it's it's thir- just the highlights, right? It's thirteen episodes. Like they only had to do the good shit. Um, yeah, there's some good stuff coming up in eleven fifty nine. I'm a liker. I like it's it. It, it. It's one of those polarizing episodes. People really like it or they really don't. Well, but I think Relativity is a lot of fun. Equinox is a lot of fun. Um, they really just needed to name him something other than Captain Ransom. Well, sure. Course Oblivion, you know. Uh, Course Oblivion was a much better... Course Oblivion is a great episode, and it does a much better job with the duplicate creatures than the origin, the or, their origin episode. It is a use of the reset button, and it's probably the only one I like. I really like Bliss. Uh, it's the one with the sort of Captain Ahab, uh, you know, tricking Yeah, the problem is that one feels like they glued together the hallucinating alien from the episode with Kess and the episode when Seven was the only one uh, from One. It yeah. feels like that was one of those times where it really felt like a... 30 Days. Yeah, I'm a big fan of 30 Days. Uh, Bri- Counterpoint is great. Bride of Chaotica is wonderful. Um... You know, it feels like they they get the the confidence to go in more loopy directions. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, Bride of Chaotica. Counterpoint is very different. It gives Captain Janeway a sort of That's romance. That's a fun one. Um, uh, Timeless is usually on people's top five. It's a fun one. Voyager. Um, Once Upon a Time is not a good episode. Um, well, and I think season six is great, too. Well, drone is fun with the the Borg. Yeah, I I uh, thought that was what one was about. Yeah, that's what they named it. Well, they named him one. So no, it, like I I feel like Voyager has turned a corner, and I say that not in the way I say it about the White Sox. No. <laughs> I'm always joking when I say it about. No, the White I mean Sox. I think the rest of the series is great. They they really they ride out the momentum that they start with season four, and so the thought. It's not like they're never going to have misses. Yeah, like Alice. <laughs> That's exactly where I was going with that. Or Voyager Conspiracy Memorial. is fantastic. Blink of an eye. Blink of an eye. Blink is... of an eye is pretty good. I do not like Fairhaven. Fairhaven annoys the I like holy loving crap I out like of me. And Spirit Folk is even worse. <laughs> Spirit Folk makes you want to like... I enjoy both Fairhaven and Spirit Ugh, You're wrong. We'll get into that in about a year and a half. Um, Unimatrix Zero is lame. Haunting of Deck 12 also kind of laid there and did nothing Gosh, for so me. So is Workforce Season 7? Mm-hmm. So Season 7 has good stuff, too. Yeah. No, Voyager has found its niche. And it it's annoying that people... May, do, do you think people judged and you know just closed the case on Voyager... With the Kazan, like that just turned off so many people. No, because most because most of the the biggest complaint I see from the Voyager uh, anti enthusiasts is the treatment of the Borg. That's usually higher on their list of complaints than the boringness of the Kazan. Hmm. 
All right, well, we'll, we'll synthesize something to say about the end, the, the totality of Voyager eventually. But for season four was good. I'm not certainly not complaining. It's a, it's a good time for Star Trek because it's season six of DS9 and season four of Voyager, both good to very good at points seasons. It, it lacks the, the, both of them lack the consistency of Star Trek's golden age, but you have split up talent and you have, you know, people who've been doing this for more than a decade now. So yeah, I get it. They're tired. You know, uh, you know I feel like 97, 98 is still the golden age. I feel like the golden age is TNG season three through Voyager season seven. And it's really only after that, that it falters. When does Nemesis come out? Nemesis is like 2002. And when was, and uh, Insurrection was 98. Yeah. All right. Insurrection was the dark cloud on the horizon where you, where like when it's a pretty summer day, but then the temperature drops like five degrees all of a sudden. And you're like, huh, didn't think it was going to rain today. Um, it, it might be a, a foreboding. I, I agree with that. But in, in my memory, Star Trek was at its height in the 90s, basically from 1990 to 2000, you know, just about. And I, I, that fits pretty well with the end of Voyager. It was I remember, I remember when Voyager was ending, you know, I was just like, huh, now what? <laughs> and then, you know, I started seeing things about this prequel and I'm like, hmm, I don't know about this. I mean, I trust the people. The people are very good. I don't know what they're going to do. Like, my only theory is that because they're calling it the Discovery, it's some kind of deep space exploration Yeah, ship. it'll be, like, Rel- in- disassociated right. from... Right, it will not be encountering week to week the same groups of people. Or feeling a need to set up, you know, to, to prequelize, you know, various things that we right. see. They're not going to run into the Ferengi. They had... Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, knocking on wood and spinning over here. Um, well, that would be their second encounter with the Ferengi. <sighs> Or the board. board. <laughs> you know, if they ran into the Dominion, I wouldn't complain. Like, if they got far enough and just, like, like they had, like, little proto-baby Jem'Hadar, I could live with it as long as they... I don't know, just... Uh. I, you know... It's it's hard to screw up optimism. You know, it's because like, Brian Fuller is very good. The stuff we've seen of him so far it is good stuff. Yeah, and, and I, I Nicholas can't... Meyer, maybe can be trusted. Yeah, I cannot overemphasize what an excellent, consistently excellent show Hannibal was. Those three seasons were phenomenal. I don't like violence, really at all, in any stripe. And I was fascinated against my will for three seasons by some of the most graphic content I've ever seen on network television. But consistently good doesn't necessarily mean consistently trek. Yeah, consistently good Star Trek. Well, okay, here's my thing. Uh, Like... uh, if J.J. Abrams had made good movies that were not Star Trek, or at least what I think of when I think of Star Trek, I would be less, I'd be more disappointed than angry. Into Darkness, like, made me violently angry because it was both not Star Trek and a terrible movie. So, like, if he just makes it... But did it, it make you angrier because there were people who would, you know, you know, defend it, you know, vigorously? You know, I loved it. You're, you're wrong. Like, it was polarizing, right? Ugh. I feel like it, it was more upsetting that there were people that liked it. I mean, I actually get the there are people... people who liked Donald Trump, too. Well, the, the, the people who liked 2009 didn't bother me as much, especially if they weren't diehard Trekkies going into it, where it's like, 
it's an entertaining it's an entertaining enough popcorn film that doesn't stand that much scrutiny but it was at least entertaining when i was in the cha- in the seat in the movie theater into darkness was offensive the whole time <laughs> i mean you and i had like seizures while watching that movie like we were physically unable to control our reactions well so if we're going to talk about the stupidity of it, uh, it's probably the, the complete transparency of the quote-unquote twist. Yeah. You know, that the, the magic blood is going to you know, save... Oh, God. And the, I you think know. you've been derailed. Here we have. So, so season four of Voyager is good. I, am cautious, I remain cautiously optimistic. I'm going to give the man a chance. No, I'll watch it, and we'll podcast it, I'm sure. And I want it to be good. I just... I, I have to go in expecting it to be the worst thing in the history of the universe. So, you're like Janeway in this episode. Yes, it's true. Uh, is Brian Filler I've had the rug tourist? Pulled, yeah. I've had the rug pulled out for me too many times. We haven't accidentally been responsible for the deaths of Brian Filler's family, have we? Not to my knowledge. Okay. But I mean, of course, Janeway wasn't either. You never know. Uh, I, I have not abetted any... I, I have not abetted in any intergalactic war either the homogenous drone race or the terrifying biological fluidic one. So I, I really don't I don't have a horse in that race. So I'm hoping we've done nothing to offend Brian Fuller. If we've offended Brian Fuller, it was completely unwitting. Yeah. Um, is Kurtzman still involved? I think he's an executive, but not an like, creative. They kicked him upstairs. I hope so. I hope so. Just uh, I mean. All the things they say are the right things to be saying so far. The way they talk about what Star Trek is and what they think about when they do it. And also, it's not like Brian Fuller doesn't have a record. Yeah. They didn't. I mean, I have more reason to have faith in Brian Fuller with this series than I think we would have for Nicholas Meyer and Harv Bennett prior to Star Trek 2. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Well, so a total of eight for Hope and Fear. A good, solid, if somewhat inconsistent season of Voyager. And we'll move on to the final season. ultimate season yeah. of Deep Space Nine, um, which many people hold to be the best, most consistent run of Star Trek ever. I don't know about that. I certainly hold it to be one of the most interesting. Like, when they really get into the serialized storytelling, I'm delighted. Yeah, I feel like the choice of Terry Farrell to leave kind of sapped some momentum. Yeah. Because I had to spend time on Esri that could have been Yeah, that opening, elsewhere. that opening three-parter, it's a trip. I'm, I'm going to have some problems, particularly around issues of informed consent when we get to the story of Sarah Sisko, but I will save my outrage, or at least <laughs> can, I will save my notes for that time. Um, but I'll, I'll say, this, like, season seven is the season that I consistently rewatch in its entirety, or at least maybe two-thirds of its entirety. Okay. Um, so, don't, don't get me wrong, it never, nothing will ever again reach the soul-nourishing sense of completion and warmth that the height of Next Gen will. That's probably because I'm not 10 anymore and can't. Like, if I watched Next Gen for the first time now, I'd probably see the holes more than I did at the time. No, there are no holes. <laughs> Only, only the Loxana episodes, <laughs> which uh, most, which half of them I really like, in spite of myself. Yeah, there's still still comfort food. I would like to go on record as saying <laughs> <laughs> that there are holes. I 
I, I think that there are holes, honey. I, I, I think no, but they're charming holes. Oh. We, we can at least agree on okay. that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm, the holes it's, make it better. Next I, should, I think saying that <laughs> seasons 5, 6, 7 of Voyager can't possibly live up to... I, I, I just disagree. No, I, I think Kevin has put his finger on it. It's based on what you saw first and what you fell in love with first. And, you know, so sure. Uh, yeah. You never. I can't do a Scottish accent, but I'm trying to quote that line from Relics about uh, never falling in love the same way again, and it's true. This uh, the TNG is our stargazer. Yeah. Well, so I did watch TNG before Voyager, but I wasn't ten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, live long and prosper, everybody. Okay. Have a good night. <laughs>